You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, this morning I'd like to talk about fear. Pastor Flamey alluded last week to the apparent difficulty of preaching the miracles of Jesus, and this is because these works of Jesus are very specific. Uh, The miracles are done at specific times and specific places for specific people and the benefit of the people that are there. When Jesus healed, for example, the ten lepers, he healed those ten men and not every leper in every place in the world. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, there were a lot of people in that graveyard that stayed in the tomb. Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. Not all of you guys come out. He's saving those words until the last day. So the miracles of Jesus are specific. Now this is different than the words of Jesus. When Jesus taught the crowds or when he taught his disciples and we hear those words in the pages of sacred scripture, those words are also for us. When we hear them read and preached, we are receiving from those words the same benefit that the very first hearers received from them. But the specificity of the miracles is different. And the temptation then with the miracle text is to allegorize them. Just like the disciples in the boat were troubled by the waves, so we too are troubled and worried by lots of different things. Now, we want to avoid this approach if we can and let the historical account of Jesus calming the sea stand on its own. But we also remember that the Holy Spirit has these words in this gospel and on this Sunday for us. Jesus did a lot of things. St. John says that if all the miracles and teachings of Jesus were written down, he supposed the whole world couldn't, uh, would be filled with all of the books. Jesus did a lot. But this is for us, so that we would be instructed and comforted by it. And Luther suggests that the best way, the most fruitful way to meditate on the gospel is to put yourself by your ears and your imagination into the text and imagine that you're there. You're on the boat, this 25, 30-foot fishing boat that they have on the Sea of Galilee. You're traveling at night, which means you expect calm seas. You know the lake, you've been fishing on it all of your life, but then all of a sudden there is this massive storm. The Greek that Matthew uses is seismos megales, a great earthquake in the sea, seismic event, so that the waves... the text says, are hiding the boat, are covering the boat. Now, now we want to be able to smell it, the salt water. And we want to be able to hear it, the, the creaking of the boards in the boat and the smashing of the waves. And we want to be able to feel it in our imagination, the cold water hitting us in the face, these enormous waves that crush you against the deck and are covering the boat so that you're there. And the panic starts to set in. This is bad. We're sinking. And you're rushing around trying to keep the boat afloat. And you know that you can't beat this storm. Not something like this. And you're looking around and you realize that Jesus isn't helping. (laughs) He's asleep. You look at each other and say, let's go wake him up. And you find him there asleep under the deck. Save us, you say. 
Now, this, I think, is one of the most interesting parts of the text. The disciples here have some sense that Jesus could be helpful, right? I mean, after all, they go and they wake him up and they say, they don't say, help us. They say, save us. They thought, at least they had some sense that Jesus could rescue them. But when Jesus does rescue them, they're amazed by it, surprised, astonished, they there's somewhere in between knowing Jesus can help and, and not knowing he can help. This is why Jesus calls them ye of little faith. This vague sense that Jesus can help and the astonishment when he actually does. And I suppose that we're the same way. <laughs> we pray because we know that God is our, is our helper and our defense, but then we're always astonished when the Lord answers our prayers and helps us. Anyway, the waves... The boat is rocking, groaning under the strain of the storm, covered in waves, about to sink. You wake up, Jesus. Save us, Lord. We're dying. And Jesus looks at you and he says, Why are you afraid? O you of little faith. Why are you afraid? Now, it seems like the answer to the question should be rather obvious to Jesus. (laughs) We're afraid because of these waves. We're afraid because of the wind. We're afraid because of the storm. Because we're out in the middle of this lake about to drown. We're afraid because of our lives. And because you, Jesus, are sleeping through all of this. But this question that Jesus asks is something more. For the disciples, it was something more. And for us, it's something more. It's kind of like the question that Jesus asked when he went looking for Adam and Eve in the garden. Where are you? He says. He knew where they were. But the question just doesn't uncover their location. It uncovers their hearts. And so with this question, why are you afraid? It uncovers our hearts. We know the first commandment. You shall have no other gods means that we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Fear is right up there as the very first thing that we owe to God. In fact, you can often tell what's in a person's heart and what a person worships by what it is that they are afraid of. Last fall, I think I told some of you guys this, last fall I I went up on Colfax with a microphone and my cell phone and I interviewed people just to see what they were thinking, see what they were thinking about theology and about Scripture and about the church and about Jesus and to see where their consciences were. And, and so I was asking three questions to the people that I was interviewing. I'll have to show you guys the video sometime in Bible class. It's interesting. I asked the three questions. What do you trust most of all? What do you love most of all? And what are you afraid of? What do you fear most of all? Now, the results for, for these questions were really interesting. For the, uh, in fact, for the love question and the trust question, there was a, a kind of just a couple of answers, and almost everyone gave the same answers. What do you love? Almost everybody said, I love my family. What do you trust? Most people said one of two things, really. Oh, oh except for the what do you love? One guy said he loved to smoke weed and Swisher sweets. That was... <laughs> but he was an outlier in the survey. Most people love their family. Uh, what do you, what do you, uh, trust? Most people had one of two answers. I don't trust nobody, or I trust myself, or 
the variation, I don't trust nobody but myself. (laughs) But the question, what are you afraid of, was really interesting. Almost everybody gave a different answer. I'm afraid of going back to jail. I'm afraid that my children will die. One guy said, I'm not afraid of anything. Or uh, Another guy said, I'm afraid of being poor. I'm afraid I'll die and accomplish nothing with my life. That, that man told me that he had just gotten back from attending his father's funeral. And there was just a couple of people at his father's funeral, and nobody there had anything good to say about his dad. Even he said, I didn't have anything good to say about him. And he said, I'm afraid of that. Now, that question, I think, that, what are you afraid of? It really can get to the heart of things. And it's a good question for us to consider. I mean, especially knowing that the commandment tells us that we should fear God above all things. Whenever I'm teaching this first commandment, especially like an adult instruction class, there's always the question, fear God, why should we be afraid of God? And some people, you know this, some people have tried to soften this idea of the fear of God by saying that the fear of God means holy awe and respect. But if the scriptures want to talk about holy awe and respect, they talk about holy awe and respect. And when they want to talk about fear, they talk about fear. And that's what it means, being afraid. And I think one of the reasons that this is the case is because fear is exclusive. It pushes out other things. You can really only be afraid of one thing at one time. Now, I don't want to make this a dogmatic point because I imagine that you could picture a scenario where you could be afraid of two things at once. Like in the movies where there's an alien coming from you one side and a dinosaur from the other, you know. But at some point in that scenario, you have to choose which you're going to be afraid of and which you're not. You're going to run one direction or another, right? That You see, fear is exclusive. Now, it's not, that's not the case with worry or with anxiety. Those can pile up. You can have, uh, you know, the Scriptures talk about the anxieties. In the midst of the, the multitude of the anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul, this sort of thing. Worries can, can, can just kind of heap on top of us. You've got one thing and you've got the other. You forgot this. You have to do that. And this person's mad at me and that person's disappointed in me. All this kind of can pile up. Anxieties are legion. But fear is singular. And this is the point with the fear of God. I imagine that the disciples had, a, they had all these things that they were worried about when they got on the boat to sail across the Sea of Galilee, what they would eat tomorrow, what their parents thought of Jesus, what it would be like to visit Jerusalem, and all this sort of stuff. But when the waves start to bury them in the sea, all of these things are gone, and they are afraid of one thing, drowning. So that fear casts out fear. And the first commandment tells us, That the fear of God should cast out our fear of everything else. So what are you afraid of? Afraid of dying? Afraid of your loved one dying? Afraid of losing everything you have? Afraid of getting sick? Afraid of suffering? Poverty? Prison? What are you afraid of? Not making a difference? Afraid of the future? Afraid of the past catching up to you? (laughs) Afraid of your weaknesses? Your shame? Your sin? 
Your flesh? Or the world or the devil? What, what, what is it? Whatever it is, whatever it is that you are afraid of, the we should fear, love, and trust a God above, uh, in God above all things means that all of those other fears are now set aside. Death? That's nothing to be afraid of. The devil? Not a problem. Jesus took care of him. Sin? It's forgiven. The future? All of it is in God's hands. Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. I suppose that the devil can destroy your body. A guy with a big rock can destroy your body. A really bad storm on the Sea of Galilee can kill your body. Jesus says, don't fear those things. Fear God. It's God, after all, who will judge us after death and determine our location, heaven or hell, for eternity. Jesus says, fear him and him alone. Do you see it? That the fear of God casts away all other fears. What can man do to you? How bad can it get? The Lord has you in his hands. Our families, our church, our lives, our deaths, all of it. (laughs) The fear of God means that we look at all of these other things that are demanding our fear, the worship of our fear, and we say, no, I will not worship you. I will not be afraid. I have nothing to fear but God. Jesus is getting to that in the boat. But, but, he wants to take them even past that. Because Jesus on the boat asks you, not what are you afraid of, but why are you afraid? When did you guys determine that these waves that are about to destroy you are worthy of your fear? I'm here with you. You are mine. And the waves are mine. Which means that you should not be afraid. And Jesus stands up, the text says, and he rebukes the wave like a mother to the rowdy children at the dinner table. Quiet down, and there's a great calm on the sea. Don't fear. You got the picture? This, dear saints, is for you and for me. We have different boats, I suppose, different storms, different waves, different things tempting us to worship them by fearing them. But we have the same Jesus who slept in the boat and who woke up, who rebuked the waves, and they listened to him. (laughs) Now, we sing this in the song, I think Pastor Flam and I are always singing this song at the hospital, Be Still My Soul. We're, we'll sing it when we have the Lord's Supper in a few minutes. And we say the same thing. Be still, my soul. Thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Thy hope 
Thy confidence, let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be bright at last. Be still, my soul. The waves and winds still know the voice of Him who ruled them while He dwelt below. Amen. This, dear saints, is our confidence and our peace. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.